Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to Black Hollywood Live. Next, today's show is hot just like every single week. We've got How to Get Away with Murder's own Kelsey Scott. You don't want to miss that. In addition to that, we've got some casting news. We're talking about Nina Simone's controversial casting. We've got some new music from DJ Snake. And you, too, could be suing Starbucks for being stingy with your coffee. All this and more right here on Black Hollywood Live next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live next. Welcome back, you guys. It's Black Hollywood Live next, where we talk to everyone who's up and coming in this industry because you need to know who they are. But this week is no exception. I'm one of your hosts, Megan Thomas, at Scoop on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, Snapchat, everywhere else. And I have my co-host in the building. I miss you guys. I know. Oh, no, I miss yes. you guys. Yes. Okay, too. Melanin. What is your name? Uh, melanin number one. <laughs> Courtney Tezno. Keep in touch with me at Tezno's on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, all the social media stuff we have. And use that hashtag BHL next to let us know what you thought about this episode. And I'm your co-host, James Ward III. You can find me on social media at James Ward III across all platforms as well. Yes, and we have a great guest today. If you've been watching ABC's How to Get Away with Murder, you have seen her as Wes's mom. She does very well. She's got that accent, honey. She, I mean, mm. she just added a whole different level to the show. Give it up, you guys, for Kelsey Scott. Woo! Hello! Welcome! Thank you. You are stunning, you by the way. Just now. Yes, I did that hands <laughs> for you. I did the yeah. <laughs> Welcome! Thank you so much. You did such an amazing job on Thank How to Get you. Away with Murder, by the way. Thank you. I like, have to say, I was I was very scared when you went ahead and did the uh, to the neck. I wasn't my looking. Goodness. It, it like was a thing. Eight times the, the flashbacks. Flash, they kept like, showing it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the sound effect, just the flesh. Yeah. And then yeah, laying yeah. her on the ground with the West little little West hanging over you. It's, I'm it's like, look at her not blinking. <laughs> yes. One take. One take. Good job. Good job. Thank you. All right, let's get into some casting news really quick. So we all know that there's a new uh, Nina Simone biopic coming out. It's called Nina. Zoe Saldana plays Nina Simone and there's been some controversy of course because she's, you know, she's Dominican first of all. She's not dark skinned. She doesn't have the wide nose, big lips that uh, Nina Simone always talked about and she had those features as well. Yeah. So there is a, a an author, his name is ta Coates. He's done a lot of, I mean, he's written great books. He's, he's one of the more forward thinkers of our time um, in the African American community. He's saying that this movie is very racist even though the people in charge are not racist. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason being is he says that uh, Zoe Saldana, as great of an actress as she is, this is showing, this is more proof of the inherent racism that Hollywood has. Because he says you've got all these white producers and they're producing a movie about a black woman who talks about a black struggle, yet they've decided to cast somebody who doesn't really have the same struggle. Mm -hmm. She's like, the nose is not the same, the lips are not the same. If you listen to Nina Simone's music, She's it, talking about her struggle, exactly. and you know that's her signature look. At first, I was a little on the fence about it because I love me some Zoe, mm -hmm. and I I know she's Afro Latina, right? But I do agree that you know we could have we have so many talented African American actresses who could have channeled me. Right, mm, right. We could have channeled her very well. But you know, my biggest issue with it is because let's just say you know casting is casting. There's so much that goes into it, but I would say the biggest problem I have is that if you're gonna cast her, then just let her be that role to essentially put her in blackface yeah. and widen her nose. Those are the choices that I think were um, very done in poor taste and, and as a producer they should have been more careful with that. And even as an actor I think that's where Zoe can I think could stand up and be like 
I'm not going to go that far. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and Kelsey, being a black woman in Hollywood, has that, have you ever come across something that has affected you and you're like, I understand it, I get it. Like, I'm a black woman in Hollywood. Like, these things affect me. Do you ever feel that way? Oh, sure. I mean, appearance is always part of the issue. And it's, and since everything is subjective, right. you, know, you can think one thing, but it's really about how you appear or how they want the character to appear. So we're affected by that all the time. Sure. Right, right. Yeah, I, I remember actually, I mean, I started acting as a child and I remember one summer coming, you know, coming back from, um, uh, from vacation and walking into my agent's office and bless her heart she was a wonderful person but she was a little perturbed that I had been out in the sun because it was going to oh affect the roles that she could submit me for because I was two three four shades darker than I was the last time I was in her office oh and, wow. you know I grew up acting too and one thing that I experienced given how I look is I was either not black enough to to mm. be cast as something black but then oh but you know what I mean? When they want somebody black, they want somebody inherent, like no mistaking what you could be. Um, so I, I dealt with that a lot too. So it's like, but I'm black. Right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, right. Would you guys still go see the movie? I'm going to see the movie. I, mean, I, I want to see, see how Zoe channels this character. Right. Mm-hmm. And the director, Cynthia Mort, says it's a really, don't judge the movie until you see it. That's what she says. And then Ta-Nehisi Coates is like, doesn't matter. It's still racist, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even if it's racist, I think the bigger thing is there just needs to be more of us on the other side. And that's right. the real issue. Right, you right. Know? For sure, for sure. Well, let's get into some new music. What we got in the Fresh Beats today, James? Well, Fresh Beats, gearing up for Coachella. It's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, Here's another artist who has dabbed his way into the alternative R&B scene. We kind of featured some artists recently, the internet and other people who are in that realm. Uh, DJ Snake. um, It's his new song, Middle, featuring uh, Bipolar Sunshine. Let's take a look. And um, he actually, in January 2016, just a couple months ago, uh, Forbes named DJ Snake as one of their 30 under 30 in music. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Already taking over. I like this song. It's yeah. really, it's really like fun. It. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with. Is it a love story? That it's a love story. Yeah. Okay. And is, is that Kiercy Clemens? I see yeah. in the yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. She's a good actress. Great actress from Dope. Yeah. And so, and uh, yes. DJ Snake is a Grammy-nominated producer. Um, he was nominated for um, two songs. One, Turn Down for What. Everyone knows that with Little John, right? Mm-hmm. And then he also produced Lady Gaga's album Born This Way, which he was nominated for in 2012. Oh. That's some range. So he's like all over the place. Yeah. That's have got some range. Okay. Well, I feel like he has another one, so that's good. Right. <laughs> new hits coming out. All right, let's get into the next big thing. What we got going on? Okay, so I don't know about you guys, but I love me some Starbucks. Oh, it yes. wakes me up. I'm from Seattle, oh, so. Okay. <laughs> yes, honey. That's all. Uh, soy chai latte, yeah. extra hot, no phone, boom. Okay, well, see. <laughs> Everybody has a favorite. Has order. That's what, um, we're here. Right here. <laughs> the phone yes. is crucial. Yes. Okay, so the phone actually is not involved in this conversation, okay. but there are some California <laughs> customers who are trying to sue Starbucks because they are not filling up their their coffee cups to the top. Mm. Now, I thought it was a bit petty when I first heard this whole petty lawsuit. Wop. Petty wop. Uh, <laughs> when this lawsuit was happening. But the two are pointing out that they have kind of researched everything and 25% of their coffee is missing and not <gasps> including the foam. Yeah, so I, I see your face over here, Kelsey. How are you? 
how do you feel about this new lawsuit? Do you, do we feel like this is necessary? Is it a petty moment or? I don't know if I feel like a lawsuit is necessary. I just always get my chai lattes without foam. I just always <laughs> ask so that so that they yes. fill it up to the top because I got tired of like having that much foam and that much chai. So right, right. So I'm not really sure we have to take it to court. I think we can just right. take it to the barista. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. But these two California residents feel like they're standing up for all of us Starbucks lovers. So more power to them in their uh, lawsuit in court. And that's the next big thing. Going that's on. when you know you got too much money. Like you know what? I'm not gonna go to work for these next couple of weeks because I got a lawsuit against Starbucks. Y'all. But you oh, know, California is always known to be petty Sioux City. Like <laughs> people sue here. If you step on my toe, I'm gonna sue you for the pain and suffering that you caused. Yeah. Like that's California. I just be wondering, like, wait, do you have that much money? I could just like sue people left and right. Like, oh man, <laughs> with lawyer fees and all this other stuff you know. Right, yeah. right, right, right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about a new show going on. Uh, if you guys are curious about a celebrity boyfriend's midlife crisis, which I kind of am, um, <laughs> if you enjoy hearing stories about behind the scenes of Hollywood, or are you, are you a lover of old TV and movie references, then you need to tune in to tomorrow's show with Kevin Undergaro. He is actually the founder, AfterBuzz creator yes. of AfterBuzz, and uh, he is now Maria Menounos' fiance. Congratulations. Congratulations to them. So Kevin Undergaro, along with a lot of our AfterBuzz uh, co-hosts, Roxy Strars and um, Ashley Daniels are going to be on this new show. You guys can tune in Monday through Thursday, um, 7 to 9 Pacific Standard Time. Um, or you can go ahead and subscribe, download for free on iTunes. So you guys tune into The Tomorrow Show. Head over to thetomorrowshow.com to hear about that new show. Yes. So let's talk about you a little bit, Kelsey. <laughs> Hello. This <laughs> you did tell us you were from Atlanta, by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to ATL. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite part about Atlanta? You go home. Well, it's home. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's really too many to count. But mostly now, it's just that's where my family is. So mm-hmm. I try to get back as often as possible. One of my favorite Walmarts in the world is Indicator. Really? Georgia. You yes. have a favorite Walmart? Walmart. I do. <laughs> that's what I find amazing. Why. Okay. This is my favorite Walmart in the world because it is so, like, there's just so much love in this Walmart, okay? Everybody will help you. Okay. I'm talking about from a little kid to somebody's grandmama to the people who worked. Like, they'll be like, no, you shouldn't get that. Get this stuff because it works better for your hair, but this one will dry it out, girl. All right. Oh, like, I didn't ask, but thank right. you. Like, thank Where you. is that one? So next time That's I'm the old. one. That's like um, Panola Road. Um, I Panola. Think. Yes, I was girl. about to ask you if it was the Panola Road one. That's hilarious. Okay. Okay. think back. I guess they were rather helpful. Okay. Lord knows the one on Crenshaw doesn't do the same. That's the Worst, the world's worst Walmart. <laughs> they are shut down, guys. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. Yes. So you mentioned mm. before that you grew up in theater as a child. So you were a child actor early. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to be an actress, and who were your early influences? I don't know if it was a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was the kid that was a ham. And my mother was like, please channel that energy into something productive. And um, my grandmother was a writer. And so she moved in with us when I was young. I mean, a writer by passion, not by profession. And and so she would write poetry and prose and that sort of thing. And I would perform it at church or at a local Mm. function. And I kind of, those, I kept going to larger and larger audiences and and some point in there, uh, it became performing, performing for me. And then... I, I heard about theater and mom was like, oh, you should take the summer course at Alliance Theater. And that's where it kind of began. But I don't know if I ever really made a decision in the beginning. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. as an adult, but. Well, looking back on that, how old were you actually? Oh my gosh. The first time I was on stage, just period, 
I was three. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, the first time professionally, I think I was seven, six or seven. So let's go back to you being seven years old. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you ta- let, let's talk about people that motivated you and how has that manifested into your career today? I used to call my mother, my grandmother, and my sister my trinity of inspiration mm. um, because that's just what they have always been. I mean, my grandmother, like I said, I mean, you wouldn't know that writing was not her profession because it was serious. It was serious business. Yeah. Like I remember my grandmother on the typewriter and I, the, the sound of the typewriter was like music to me after a while. And mm. my mother was an English professor. So mm. words and, and images and creating things, that was always a part of us. And my sister is ridiculously creative. She's the corporate side of the two, there's two of us. So she's the corporate side of us, mm-hmm. but she plays like eight instruments. She's like, you know, so wow. she's, right. So there was just creativity in the house and that's, that's really where I pulled from. Right. And of course it showed up because in 1989 you were on a great show. <laughs> it was the ABC sitcom, the Robert Guillaume show. Yes. Which I remember this actually vaguely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like giving away my age here, but I do. Because when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, wait a minute. I remember this. Remember this? We got a little clip here. We're going to play Oh, goodness. Here we go. All right, here we go. <laughs> Look at that oh. baby. Who was that? Look at that baby. Snag a tooth. <laughs> Look at that. Who was that? <laughs> what was that like to see your name on the screen like that? Look at oh, you at the was... end. Girl, look at you. <laughs> oh, I was crazy you. excited. Oh, my gosh. And then I was at a performing arts school, so it was like the news. It was like, oh, one of us made it. <laughs> <laughs> how, did you, how did you get that role? Um... Oh, that's a, it's an interesting story. So because I was living in Atlanta and um, eons ago, uh, Showtime and the Movie Channel, if you remember the Movie Channel, uh, they were doing a competition where they were looking for kids to host the family time programming segment. I know this is all, talk about being aged. Okay, Uh, (laughs) right. And so they um, scoured 37 states looking for four kids to host um, a week of programming. So they came to Atlanta, they went to Peachtree Center, for all you Atlanta folks, Peachtree Center. And um, I went down there with hundreds of kids, we got up, we did a little talent, read off the cue card and talked about F. Scott Fitzgerald, whatever. And so um, I was one of the national winners. They flew us all up to New York and we taped the segments um, at the Children's Museum. And so um, the woman who became my agent was one of the judges for the competition. So she came down and was watching the taping and she had a little side conversation with my mother and said, you know, you should bring Kelsey by the office. And um, I went by the office and she and my mother shook hands and I had an agent in New York. And, wow. um, and she said to my mom, she said, do you have a, a picture of Kelsey in your wallet? She did. She's like, take this down the street and bring me back 50 copies. <laughs> and that was my headshot. Wow. And wow. before I left New York, I was already going on auditions. Wow. And so, you know, my, my mother was a professor, so we uh, weren't rolling in dough. But what would happen is that um, she would set up auditions for me in New York. My mother would put me on a plane. My uncle would pick me up in New York, it's a family in New York, and my uncle would take me around to the auditions and put me back on a plane and I'd go back to school. Wow. And so the second or third trip was the audition for the Guillaume show. And then and then it kind of snowballed. Wow. Wait, did you still have to live in Atlanta or did you have to move? Uh, we moved for a while. So we, okay. did, we did the pilot first. And um, and then my grandmother actually just kind of went out with me because my mom had to work. And then when I actually got the role in the pilot, went to uh, went to series. And mom just kind of took a leave of absence from work. And we came out here and lived in Oakwood Apartments. And okay. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that is amazing. What did, what, I mean, you got to be on such a great show with a legendary actor, Robert Guillaume. What was that like? 
I think at the time you don't really realize the significance of it. I mean, I remembered mm. him from Benson, you know, right, and right. I'd seen the reruns of Benson and Soap and that sort of thing like that. Um, but he was just such a regular person uh, on set and offset that I was having fun. Again, at that point in my career, I wasn't thinking about this is my career. This is really important. This is a, an important stepping stone. I'm just having fun, you know. And okay. so I just regarded it. I think now the significance of it hits me. Then I was just like, yeah, that's Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and so with the significant people, another project of, of yours is 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. So Steve McQueen. Yes. Chudo Ejiofor, right? Uh, Ejiofor. Ejiofor, mm-hmm. there we go. Um, I mean, what was that like? He was in an Academy Award winning film. So um, what was that experience like working with, now that you as an adult, the, the understanding the significance? I got the significance system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think when we were in production, I think we all knew that it was a special project, but we had no idea what kind of legs or wings it was going to have, how the public was going to react or, you know, the community in general. So we knew we were working on something important and we hoped that it would touch people. And um, and then when it did, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's your dream to do work that matters, um, mm-hmm. that begins conversations. Because I always say that was the strongest thing about the film. It's right. got people talking mm-hmm. about things that they don't normally just casually in a conversation talk about. And so that's what I thought the power of it was. But um, but I had been a fan of Stephen Queen's work. I'd seen Shame and mm-hmm. uh, I'd so I and then Hunger. So I was excited to work with him, extremely excited. And then I, New Orleans had kind of become a bit of a second home for me because I was doing a lot of work there. So uh, it was all great. It was it was. Um, it was it was powerful. Like you, then I got it. I knew, you know. Are there any other period pieces you'd want to be a part of? Ooh, that is an interesting question. Um, I would love to see something theatrical about Black Wall Street. Mm. Oh um, yeah, that's good. And I would love to do something. Um, where I get to wear a flapper dress and, and Ooh, yes. sing at a mic that's you know a stand-up. Mic. I would I'd love to do something like that. Something something cotton clubbish. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Was that one of your favorite periods? <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite period. I just I just I want to wear the, the dress. And sing. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I want to. I want to be cute. <laughs> <laughs> now let's take it back to uh, you were featured in Entertainment Weekly. What was it like reading that? Reading about yourself for the first time. All of that was crazy. I mean, because well, it happened not Entertainment Weekly, but you know there were lots of spreads for yeah, Twelve well, Years like, a Slave, yeah. and so that lots of fa- a family shot. So I I wouldn't even know about it. My family would call. <laughs> like, right, it right, would because right. it hits the East Coast, and so I'd get the phone calls and the texts and this, and I'm groggy, and I'm like, what's going on? Get a newspaper, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, but all of that, it's it's surreal and wonderful, and all it speaks to is that I get to continue doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you're excellent at what you do, by the way. Thank you. And I love you on um, How to Get Away with Murder. Yes. Thank you. You're with yes. the legendary yes. Viola Davis. <sighs> yes. Yes, amazing. What was it like working with her? Um, I was on a I was on a red carpet once, and someone asked me that question, and I'm going to give the same answer because I need as many people to hear it as possible. Looking in Viola Davis's eyes is a masterclass in acting. Mm. Like she is so available to every single emotion that she has, that you have to step your game up. Like you just, you cannot slack around that and you don't want to, like it makes you want to be better. It makes you want to emote. And so um, definitely one of the highlights of my career. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What was that audition process like? 
a bit arduous, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, because um, we auditioned with the scene um, from that from that initial episode where she's uh, dropping off the baby, where mm-hmm. it's a delusion, but we don't know that at the right, time. Right, right. And so, you know, that's a it's like action and do that. So there's not build up in the scene for the right. character. So there were a lot. There was a lot of crying in the waiting room. <laughs> we were all because we were all like sniffling in the corner with tissues, trying to be ready because you had to walk in and just kind of like be there. So um, so that was that was emotionally taxing. Um, and getting in there and then there was a large call at first, and then about a week went by, and then they wanted to see a few more of us come back. So you go in and do it again, and. Interestingly enough, I mean, I know we are supposed to have this kind of access to our emotions as actors, but but Kelsey, the person, tends to shut off when things get hard. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I shut down and get very stoic, and um, and it's something that I work on because it sometimes it is a hindrance. And so this scene obviously required just gut-wrenching agony and a mother giving away her child, and so Ooh. it was something that I had to work to access. And uh, my mother passed away a few years ago, mm. and it was a it was a, obviously a very difficult time. But I still hadn't really let myself experience those emotions, and so um, I was waiting to go in, and I said, "You've got to open up your chest for this. Like mm. you just can't go in there and." do even a little bit of phoning it in. And so I started tapping into some very dark places, oh. <laughs> some very dark places. And I, th- I, I thought actually, and I, t- I told a friend of mine this after the audition uh, when I was in the car, I thought I went a little mad because I went to those places and they were difficult and they were treacherous. And you know, then I gave it over to the character. But then after I walked out, I couldn't stop it. Like, because I'm one of those people, but because I don't necessarily access all the emotions, right, right. I have difficulty crying on cue. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't even want to cry for you in real life. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so on cue, I was like, no. But yeah. I really wanted that to happen. And so once I opened those floodgates, when I left the office, I couldn't stop the tears. And so I, I actually left the office and I sat on the staircase right outside the office because I was trying, I was starting to hyperventilate. I was trying to catch, my, you know, catch myself. And then I was like, oh no, I don't want them to walk outside and see the crazy girl. So I walked <laughs> in my car. I walked in my car and I called my friend, the friend that had coached me on the audition. And I was definitely hyperventilating. And I just said to him, I was like, I can't make it stop. It was a thing. And so we, there was about 15 minutes in the car where he had to bring me back to center. And then after I was calm, my fear was that I had lost it in the room. Mm-hmm. That while you certainly want to go there, you need to be tethered to reality. And right. I felt like I had lost that tether. And I was afraid that I had blown the audition for that reason. Like at some mm-hmm. point, the, the grief was not an act, you know, right. mm-hmm. and um, but apparently that's what they wanted. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely gave that off on camera. But would yeah. you say that that's one of your most challenging things as an actress is Absolutely. really going there? Absolutely. Mm. Well, specifically accessing tears, the pain, because I know people who can do it as a party trick. Like I have, I have a friend in college. She was great. She'd look up and she'd look down. And she's crying. I was like, I can't stand you. You're not an actress. I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, but I just, that's just not how I get there. I really have to tap into it. And so, yeah, that's definitely been a challenge. And so this part forced me to stretch myself in a way that I had, I think I just hadn't been brave enough to do before. So, well, you did that thing. Yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> and so, you know, being, um, theater trained too I think is a strength which I think Viola Davis even you know talks about so um, with that you've been in many plays including The Wiz and Dreamgirls Mm -hmm. 
given the emotional availability that it's required between the different sectors of film and um, theater, what do you like better or do you? I can't choose. I mean, I grew up in theater, so theater, mm -hmm. you know, it's my acting mother. Um, <laughs> you know, there's something about being on stage and feeling the energy of the audience and playing off of that, you know, and, and the instant gratification at the end, knowing whether or not it worked, because you can tell if people are play clapping, you know, right? Right. so, right. you know, so I, I'm always going to love theater, um, but, but there are, there are different, um, challenges. Cha well, no, there, there are different pros to television and film. There's right. the opportunity to do it over right. until right. it's, you know, perfect, whatever that means, you know, and the opportunity to, uh, to to find a different layer because that's one of the things I love about theater is that you're doing the same show every night multiple nights and you you find something different right. and every so time. you get mm -hmm. to just kind of delve into that character and and continue stripping away the layers until it's the last night well the thing about um, for television is that especially for a role that continues in multiple episodes is you get to do that but in a different way because now the lines are different and the storyline is different but you get to delve into that character so you know they're they're there are each has their individual strengths that are appealing. Yeah. Now, just from talking to you, I really feel like you are someone that just exudes happiness, right. and you're you're just a, a, a pleasure. Well, but thank I, you. <laughs> now you share different platforms with Oprah Winfrey and Maya Angelou, and you're a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. What led you to want to do that and to inspire others? That began with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's what happened. I like I said, I started, you know in church or at you know a local function and then my reputation in the community grew and all of a sudden you know I was getting a call from the Rainbow Coalition and they were like can you come speak I was like me right right exactly <laughs> uh, so that's how I ended up you know just kind of being around those types of uh, of celebrities of, of you know people of that of that um that ilk and uh, I think it's important. I used to speak to speak at a lot of schools, a lot of graduations, especially you know high school, because you know college people don't want to listen to a high school student. But <laughs> but you know, but I felt like, and I it always sounds just um, a little like you know rose colored glasses type thing. But my mother was always supportive. I mean, my family in general, but my mother was always supportive. She always said, whatever it is that you're looking to do, you can absolutely do it. I mean, it will it will take this and it will take this and it will take this, but it is possible it can be done. And I realized in my youth that not everybody got that type of motivation at home. Right. And mm -hmm. so it was always important to me to share that message in case you weren't hearing it someplace else. Hear it from somebody your own age. Hear it from your peer because um, it's possible. It's doable. And so... Uh, it was really important to me to to speak to people of my own age um, right. about uh, that nugget, that gem from my mom. Right, and uh, you mentioned your grandmother, so I know you're a screenwriter. I am. <laughs> and you wrote the movie Motives and Motives 2 with Aviva Gay Fox Shamarma, which I've seen, by the way. Have you? Okay. Baby <laughs> girl, okay. Yeah, but so you wrote these movies. Did you, what was the first movie that you ever wrote? Or first, first screenplay that you ever wrote? Uh, it was something in film school. I mean, I, okay. I, I get a, uh, my MFA is in film, and so I, I wrote a, a screenplay that will never see the light of day. Why? <laughs> well, because it was the first one. I mean, you know. What was it about? Oh, gosh, really? Go ahead and tell us. Okay, okay. so it was about a singer. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was about a singer, and and so um, she learned that she had um, a disease that w was literally stealing her voice. And oh, so wow. um, what she had to do, she there was a treatment for it. But the treatment 
um, the treatment was going to be such that she would never sing again, whereas the living with it would be so, such that she would pass away. And so she decided to, I know, right? It's Ooh, so, I know, it's all, whatever. So, so she had to make the decision. Um, she wanted to um, memorialize her voice before she was going to lose it, because of course she was going to have the treatment so that she could live. So it was... How much? How can you run out the clock to literally record an album to record something that will be the last um, remnants of the fact that you could ever sing, that you could ever share this gift? Because she was a live singer, she's a jazz right, singer. Right. So, um, yeah, that was it. And why? <laughs> that, um, Kelsey, this is an amazing that, story. Like, come, like, <laughs> yeah. Are you are you teary? A little bit, actually. Oh, wow. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta do that one. I, I definitely have to rewrite it because it okay, it reads well, like the first screenplay. Okay, that's fair. That's yes, fair. you but gotta do that. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, that story should be told. Absolutely, Aww, absolutely. Yeah. And what's your favorite genre to write, by the way? Uh, you know, I'm usually hired to write drama. I mean, drama is is kind of my thing. Um, but I really I like comedy. But I like the um, highbrow. Comedy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Sorry, a little bougie. Um, but I like, <laughs> I like, you know, I like smart comedy. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so then, as a screenwriter, screenwriter and actress, mm -hmm. is there a world where you would want to like? I guess what project would you want to do ideally, and then work on and create and be a part of at the same time, without you know, we haven't signed NDAs, so I get it. But. I know. <laughs> you know, I honestly, I actually have one. Um, years ago, I was hired to write a screenplay you know that's what you do you're kind of uh, you know unless you're going around selling your own you work for hire for different producers and production companies mm -hmm. and um, I was hired to write this screenplay and I fell in love with it and it's the story that literally is just generations of women it's actually a supernatural family drama oh wow yeah that was actually a problem with the studios because they were like so is it this is it that I was like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, and so the youngest, uh, the youngest female is six, and then the oldest is over ninety, ah, and and whoa. they're all I know, right? And they're all in between, and and that's just because we go back and forth in time. And I really loved not only the characters, not only these amazing women. But I loved how sticky their lives were. Okay. They were not. There was not a good guy, and there was not a bad guy. It was just um, or guy at all. But it was, <laughs> no, there were plenty of men there. But it was just. Um, I love that it was driven by them, and about um, because we're not doing the NDA thing. I'm, I'm not. I'm staying away from the plot. But I loved it, and um, so I wrote it, and we got some traction on it, and everything was great, and so it was going to kind of go, and that's. Um, and then it fell out like like things do in this industry, mm -hmm. but it's still there. And so honestly, I would love to make that happen. And at this point, at that point, I was, you know, I was hired gun, I was a writer, so I really didn't have much to say about the production of it. Now, not only would I like to see it through, but of course I'd like to be in it. Well, <laughs> we're in a place right now where it's a rise of black superheroes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So. Well, it's not a superhero movie. It's it's supernatural, supernatural but okay. it's not a superhero movie. Got it. Okay. But I want to do an action movie, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when I did um, um I did NCIS, I had to do um, a bit of a stunt. They had a stunt double, but I had to do a bit of a stunt with like the death scene. There's something about me and being killed on camera. But um, <laughs> you do it so well. But why? Thank you. <laughs> um, but it was this this like, struggle in a car, and he had to like pull me over the seat and like kick at the windshield. And I was like, okay, this is really cool because I'm a bit of a tomboy. I was like, uh -huh. I would love to do an action movie. So that be fun to do yeah okay now what do you do outside of all of that you do are there any hobbies that you're like I need to get in my yoga I gotta go to run anything that you do that just 
Well, I do like to work out, so okay. all all of that. So yes, and to that. But my <laughs> hobbies are somehow attached to the business because mm-hmm. I'm trying to make a living of the things that I love to do. So I mean, mm-hmm. that's what other you know, what, what other definition of a hobby is it? So right. so uh, I will sing professionally, or I'll, you can find me in a karaoke bar, or you know, <laughs> I will, you know, I will, you know, write a screenplay, or you might find me at a spoken word venue. Like, oh. and so it's just that sort of thing. So okay, that's awesome. So with all of the stuff that you do, do you have time for a relationship? Um, I have time. <laughs> I don't have options. Oh. <laughs> I know, girl. Hello, LA. Hello, LA. Hello. So what are some? Okay, what are you, for you? What are deal breakers in a relationship? Wow. Okay. All right. We can do this. Um, I love an intelligent man. Okay. We have got to have conversations. Right. Right. Oh. And it has got to be substantive. High five. You know what I'm saying? We, we have really got to be able to talk about something yeah. other than, you know, whatever. Um, I love a man with a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be a comedian. Cause there's there's a line, yeah, but, there's uh, a line. but you know, but I you know I'm a, I'm I'm a tad witty, and so I need somebody who can keep up you know with the with the verbal sparring and, okay. and not take offense and realize we're all just we're we're all in this together. Right. Um. And something I realized I think I had never really articulated until I don't know maybe last year, but I need a man who is driven. Mm-hmm. Oh. Here's the oh. thing. Here's the thing. I'm attracted to talent, but talent doesn't have to be you know singing, dancing, and acting. Just whatever you do. Right. Be the baddest at it. Like, if you are a pharmacist, then you be the baddest pharmacist around. Everybody comes to you because they know that you can handle it. Whatever it is you do, just be amazing at it and be driven. Because I know there are a lot of people who talk about stuff. Right. Oh, I'm going right. to need you to be a doer. City. <laughs> right. Hello. Right. Exactly. Everyone has something in development. So right. I know. Right. Hello. So if I could, if I could get those four, if you could be smart with a sense of humor, have just be good at whatever you do and not be satisfied, like not be complacent like always be growing we're good right we're right. good mm. oh he's out there honey <laughs> is no, he are you sure he where he is I don't know oh, okay oh that's what I it is know. it's all about maybe geography maybe he hasn't come to LA yet maybe yeah. that's it yeah. cause I don't mind flying him in right? it's okay <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> uh, now your DMs are gonna be full right. <laughs> oh my goodness hey. so, so when I say fly you in what I mean is okay <laughs> For that man, where can he potentially see you next? What other projects do you have coming up? Um, I have a um, a thriller coming out at the Ooh. end of the year uh, called The Dark Red. Uh, and I just signed on, signed on to do um, an indie film called Commuter, which we're going to be shooting this summer. Okay. Um, and then I actually love to do smaller projects with friends. Mm-hmm. So I've got like two short films I'm going to do in the next couple okay. of months. And um, and uh, I'm I used to be on a on a web series, and I might be joining another one soon we're kind of talking about it so yeah kind of everywhere okay. your computer your television your <laughs> whatever <laughs> cool now there have been so many things that you've done but are there any obstacles that you've um, overcome while pursuing your passion yes can you <laughs> well I mean it's I don't think that it is any different from any other actor that you have spoken to about the obstacles in the business mm-hmm. so you have the you have those that are just kind of part of the road, part of the, the trek. Um, there are certainly obstacles I encounter as a black woman. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think that, that, that those same barriers that are put up for a black woman in any career, in any profession, you know, it happens in this business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of navigating those. Of, I, I, this is what I truly believe. 
I truly believe if you have your circle, um, Shonda calls it your tribe, which right. I like. <laughs> I like. I'm not just kissing up. I like it. Um, but if you have your circle, then you can persevere mm-hmm. because this, you all know, it's a tough industry. Right. And right. there are plenty of times where you're like, I am just not sure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I didn't get the memo. Maybe everybody knows something that I don't and I should be doing something very different. And those are the moments that you need. You need your circle, whether that's, you know, your literal family or your chosen family. Like they have to be there and present and ready and with you. And at that point, you know, they you, it's like refueling and then being pushed back out into the world. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there are obstacles for all of us. There are barriers for all of us. But I am secure in my circle. I am secure in my tribe. They know who they are, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I for them. And so, yeah, it's, it's there. It's always going to be there. And you've got two choices, do or don't. And I choose do. And you've well, got you to, do it, yeah. And I think you've got to have people, on that point, you've got to have people who believe in you more than you do. Right, on those moments that mm-hmm. you're like, ooh, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. done. I yeah. give up. Yeah. They're like, nope. Did you ever want to give up? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it, you know, it's not that I wanted to give up. I felt like, again, maybe I was wrong all these years, you know uh-huh. what I mean? I mean, because there are, there are long stretches of, right. you know, weird. Acting is being perpetually unemployed, you know? Right, right. It's, it's, it's gig for gig for gig for gig. And so um, I never wanted to give up, but there were times where I felt like I might. Mm-hmm. And, but one of, the, one of the thoughts that always occurred to me was, if you don't do this, what, what, what could you do? I mean, I can do. I mean, we're all capable of doing many things. Right. But what would you want to do? What would get you out of bed? What would, you know, make you be perpetually unemployed and still be a happy person? You know what I mean? And right. there was and just there was no, no plan there B. There was nothing else. Mm. There was nothing else. There was nothing else that I breathe the way I breathe acting. Now, what advice do you have to any other actors or creative individuals that would love to persevere the way you are in this industry? Part of it is staying in the game. It is. I mean, everybody said it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But it really is. And not only is it a marathon, but it comes with all of that. So it comes with the pain. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> you know, it comes with the training. It comes with the endurance. It comes with taking a second and taking care of yourself, which is that stopping for the water. Like, all of that. You know, I'm going to run this metaphor into the ground. But it is all. <laughs> it is. It, it really is all of that. You know, it's. Uh, I think that people make the mistake of expecting instant success. I mm-hmm. think anytime um, a publication talks about an overnight success, that's just because they weren't there for the 20 years Precisely. of overnights before right. that, you know what I mean? Right, right. And sure there are exceptions, there are always gonna be exceptions to the right. rule, but you, I think you have to have in your mind that this is what you're going to do period not this is what I'll do for a while and put right. in the work. this is what I'll do you know and we'll see how it goes I mean if you want to see how it goes that's 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 fine I don't know that life <laughs> right, I, right I just I just don't you that's know what I mean you. you know right <laughs> that's cute for yeah. you yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean uh, so I, I think staying in that you cannot you know you cannot dance if you're not at the party yes Ugh, you're so awesome Kelsey Thanks. before we get out of here where can all of your fans find you on social media uh, you can find me and I will direct it to the world um, Ms. Kelsey at Ms. Kelsey Scott on Twitter and on Instagram and Kelsey Scott on Facebook thank you so much for joining thank you for having yes. me this is great we had a awesome. and where can we find you guys you can find me at James Ward III across all platforms. And you guys keep in touch with me at Tez Knows on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all social media platforms. And as always, you can find me, Megan Thomas, at Meg Scoop on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Periscope. And make sure you use the hashtag BHL next because we want to see all of your comments. Don't forget you can check out Kelsey Scott on How to Get Away with Murder on ABC every Thursday. We'll see you guys next week on BHL Next.
from executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.